My name is Stephen King. I'm gonna scare the hell out of you. Hello and welcome to episode six of Nerd Stocking. My name is Bill, and with me tonight is Laura and Ross. Hello. Hello. So wait, uh, that was the wrong order. It was. They'll, make, I, they'll think I'm Laura. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe my voice is pretty deep. Just at the top of the show, if you want to uh, contact us through Twitter, you can reach us. It's at NerdStockingPod, and if you want to contact us through email, it's nerds at nerdstocking.com. So um, I wanted to start off this episode with um, just some random stuff that uh, we've been doing. And uh, the first thing is we all saw Captain America Civil War on Thursday, last oh, Thursday. And I saw it again Saturday. Did you really? Yeah, I took Max to see it. Well, that's great. What did he think? He loved it. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think he... Uh, Age of Ultron is is uh, slightly higher, and uh, Ant Man is slightly higher, but uh, he he adored it. He thought it was fantastic. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. You didn't like it? Oh, I loved it. I just think it was better than Age of Ultron. Oh well, yeah. I mean, it's a it had Ultron. It had the Vision. He's gonna love all those characters together. He's not looking at the nuances of story and whether it really was, you know, a terrific movie. I don't I don't think it was my favorite, not by a long shot. But for him, it had everything you'd want. Right. Including the Hulkbuster. That's true. Which is a big fan of. Right. Yeah, as usual, I'm, uh, I have issues. <laughs> Personal <laughs> Everybody or Everybody knows I have issues. I had some issues with it. You know, um, I enjoyed it, but I found it, I don't know, I think tonally I didn't like it. You know what I mean? Well, I'm sick of the whole guilt storyline that every single... Right. One of these movies has to follow these days, right. which is, you know, big battle and then the public backlash right. slash how do we get them in check? Well, right. I think, I, you know, obviously we're alluding to the two big movies this year that have had a similar uh, storyline, Batman v Superman right. uh, and this movie. But I thought this movie tackled it in a much better way, maybe because it had that the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe history going right back to the first Avengers. So there was, you know, there's a worldwide trail of disaster. What bothered me when they're listing this out is nobody's saying, yeah, hang on a minute. We stopped an alien invasion. That's so funny. And, oh, by the way, Hydra invaded your secret agent. Nah, we exposed that. <laughs> and, you know, uh, uh, yeah. the other one. Uh, I had the same reaction in that scene. Like William Hurt, is, uh, he's got the PowerPoint presentation, you know, and he's showing... Uh, you know, all the terrible With things. With a laser pointer. Yeah, exactly. All the terrible things that have gone on, you know, um, uh, Sokovia. And I'm just waiting for somebody to stand up at that table and say, what the hell are you talking about? You know, the Sokovia one I can actually understand because that was Tony Stark's fuck up. Well, well right? Well, actually, I mean, if you remember, uh, Ultron took over, uh, um, what was his name? Uh, Strucker's uh, lair where he created the Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver using Loki's... Uh, staff so that actually was a hydra installation okay in sokovia and then ultron goes back there because i guess he needs all the accoutrements of mad right. scientists right that's the hypocrisy of tony stark though too right i mean he becomes the ultra you know for the accords or whatever right. but he was really the cause of the first one with ultron yeah you yeah. know and he said i mean he says that in the movie my bad 
<laughs> there's nothing really... so <laughs> self-righteous. I right. I am not a fan of Tony Stark. Right. No, but I mean, you know, the whole scene with the with the mom and the corridor coming up, which was which was good when he notices that the light isn't lit, and you know she reaches for his purse. I thought that because he has this, you know, PTSD uh, from from Avengers, but you know she blames him. Like you killed my son. Well, actually, a mad son. Well, I mean, maybe you could trace it back to him. it wasn't his direct actions. Right. He was trying to save everybody. Right. Yeah, he had but, good intentions. Sure. But it totally backfired. Yeah. So I don't think that was fair. But like it was just stuff like you know you have Tony Stark. He's lamenting his parents. Actually, that was a really good scene where they uh, de-aged uh, Robert mm. Downey Jr. and made him look like he that was, was freaky. Like a. Or a teenager, I guess. I know that was freaky. That was like that. Uh, what was the movie he did as a kid in a convertible? Drugs. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Lesson Zero was one. Yeah, of that uh, maybe it was what where he was zero? drug. Yeah, pickup artist. Yeah, they, they, he yeah. looks like him from that era. Yeah. Well, they did the same thing in Tron Legacy, where they de-aged Jeff Bridges and made him about Tron era age as Clue, like the ageless program that he created. Right. And they did the same thing. I guess they put a they put a helmet on him and point, you know, like a dozen cameras at his face and he reads his lines and then they just go do, 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 do. I don't know how they, just, they, just they did the same it. to uh Erase Michael it. what's his name in Ant-Man when they oh, did Michael the flashback Douglas. Michael Douglas to the 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 flashback to the scene uh from the 80s when he comes in and yells at Howard Stark and oh after right. they were trying to steal his formula and yeah, they DH right. they DH'd him there and then I guess they did the same with you know Steve Rogers when they shrunk him down into a mini me oh, yeah. they had a small little actor and put his face on him yeah, <laughs> yeah which was seamless absolutely yeah but then anyway there's a scene with uh Stark and he's lamenting his parents and you've got uh Cap who's Sad about Bucky being a Russian assassin. But then you've got, uh, hey, it's Spider-Man. Wee, hey, guys. You know, like the tonally, there was a tonal shift that I I found really jarring. And it's funny you mentioned Batman v Superman because I actually think they handled that better in that film because it's built that way to support, you know, heavy material, even though, Laura, you weren't a big fan of it. But in no. in Captain America Civil War, it just jumped around a little bit too much. Well, I don't know. I think it's a Marvel movie, so they're never going to go all serious like DC. Right. DC, oh, okay, you know, right. oh, they have, DC has, uh, or Warner yeah. Brothers that make the DC movies, right. they have editors that remove anything that resembles fun or humor. <laughs> <laughs> they pay a staff of like 20 to do that. Right. Whereas in Marvel, I think they've, they've, they've hit the nail on, on a nice balance between drama and humor. You're never going to have one that's, you know, weighted to one side or the other. So the, the middle of the movie that you're referring to, right. should we yeah. have said something about spoilers? Uh, yeah, okay, well, yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler. Uh, I mean, Put if you've seen the, the trailer, yeah. if you've seen it in the trailer, then you know Spider-Man shows up, who is absolutely no perfect. I mean, you can't do Spider-Man and not have him be like that. Okay. You Apparently can't. not. Yeah, because <laughs> it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be Spider-Man. It, you know, you, you could have emo Spider-Man, like Tobey Maguire, who's crying through the whole movie, right. but that's not Spider-Man. So right. if you're going to do Spider-Man, you have, to, you have to do that sort of... He puts on the mask, it gives him an air of confidence he doesn't have because he's a, you know, he a did, kid. Yeah, he didn't seem too young to, to you? I'm no. Peter he Parker seemed too to young me. to me. Yeah. Was, no, I thought he was I thought perfect. he was 12. <laughs> no. He looked like he was twelve. He looked I young. thought Andrew Garfield was pretty good. I hated Andrew Garfield. <laughs> Why? I hated those movies. I thought they were terrible movies. And the whole trying to create a 
a subplot of what happened to his parents. Who knows? Were they scientists? I don't know, but they disappeared. Let's make a mystery. Let's not, because we're never going to do number three. So, no, I didn't like those movies. Mm. So how do you really feel? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I'll come back to you. That's right. Um, One thing I really did enjoy are the action sequences. Just top notch. I find that in all the Captain America films more than any other. Agreed. Is that the action films are so well blocked. You can follow the action. It's not overly confusing, you know? Yeah. Well, it's a guy with a shield. But I do find it kind of ridiculous that, oh, well, he doesn't really kill people except if you get a vibranium shield to the head, you're probably dead. Right. (laughs) You might not just go back and look, but come on. Well, that was funny because uh, in the film, uh, I guess War Machine gets brought down. But doesn't die. But he's crippled. And then it's all big spoilers. Tony Stark's got him in the in his arms, like oh no! But then, like you say, just think of the you know all the paralyzed bodies they've left behind them and what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not as valuable as a superhero I or guess. a guy in a suit. They're not as valuable valuable as War Machine, which is questionable. Yeah. Oh, I think I think they even called that out though. I mean, when uh, the German police show up to capture Bucky mm. and uh, they escape, you know, at one point Bucky looks like he's gonna. Use a little bit too much force, and Cap says, "Hey, now!" Or you know, reminds him to that these aren't you know they're trying to arrest him. They're going to kill him. They're shooting at him, but they're not the bad guys. So, right. you know. but that's that I- ridiculous, though, because again, he's whipping his shield around. Come on, like that's that's going to hurt somebody but permanently. Never, well, yes, they're probably yeah. They're so probably just because gonna, you don't shoot them doesn't mean that your violence is less. Well, you're not you're not fatal. Well, that's questionable. I mean, if they talk funny for the rest of their life because they lost all their teeth, that's one thing. But at <laughs> well, least, oh, there's a dent in their head. Come on! I got hit in the head by Captain America's shield. That's the best story at a at a <laughs> dinner be a party scar ever. Yeah. at a bar. Yeah. yeah, show people your scar you got. I doubt they're in a bar. They're vegetable drooling on themselves. <laughs> right. It just seemed funny to me too that when you in a superhero film, you usually have superheroes fighting bad guys, and even that is kind of ridiculous that nobody ever gets killed. But if you have but the superheroes fighting superheroes, the, the team you know versus the team you know, you know no one's going to get offed, right? There's not a lot of drama there. Well, actually, there was, there was tension. Uh, I mean, maybe because Chad and I read the Civil War comics, but, uh, you know, Cap dies at the end of the Civil War in the comics. Right. And there, there's been talk about this was the last movie in Chris Evans' contract. So maybe he was going to die. So, I, you know, I, I was almost expecting something like that to happen. Right. Well, that's the best way to tell. Look at the actor's contracts. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So you must have signed on and nobody said anything because I guess he's in the next two, the the two Avengers movies coming up. Right, right. He's. I think he's a really good Captain America because honestly, I'd never look forward to Captain America movies. Right. When I'm actually watching them, I enjoy them. Yeah, he is really good. There's just something really boring to me about the character for some reason. I love. I love the. I think these three Captain America movies are my favorite block of superhero movies of them all. I, I think they've done the character tremendously well. Right. No, I would agree with that. I'm just saying for some reason it doesn't make me... Well, he's he's hard because he's like Superman. He's always wants to do the right thing and he's not a complicated... You know, he doesn't have a, a really terrible backstory like his parents weren't killed and his mom isn't named Martha. As far as I know, <laughs> maybe she is. That's the next reveal. It didn't come up. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Which, you know, I don't know. A few months later, that still is the most ridiculous scene in a movie ever, ever. Martha right. won't die tonight. <laughs> Your mom's <laughs> name Martha? That's funny. Uh, yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, well, let's not get in a Batman v Superman or we'll have a civil war here at this table. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> um, speaking of superhero films, Deadpool came out on video today as we're recording this. Yes. Yeah. I will be picking that up. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And hiding it from my son. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You can't let the kids watch no. that one. Yeah, exactly. Good God. You have to put a parental lock on your uh, Blu-ray. Yeah. I'll hide it somewhere, and then I'll never, I won't remember I bought it, <laughs> and then I'll buy it again, and then I'll put it in the same place, and then I'll think, oh. Right. You know, Another senior collection. moment. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it just, yeah. Maybe you got yeah. a shield to the head. <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> exactly. Uh, speaking of, do either of you watch the Honest Trailers? Uh, yeah, I've seen them. I don't seen, haven't seen the Deadpool one. Oh, there's a there's a new one they just did for Deadpool because of the release of the uh, of the Blu-ray. Yeah, but it's it's uh, a very unique honest trailer because uh, Ryan Reynolds shows up halfway through it. Wow, as Deadpool and making jokes and it's hilarious. That's it's, funny. I don't think they've ever had somebody from the movie that they're making an honest trailer of show up and do it. it right, very good. Yeah, well, that's just sorry. Go ahead. Didn't he fight ten years to get this made? Yeah, like this. Like this is like a passion for him, obviously. And yeah. he showed up to a lot of things that most actors wouldn't do, and in character yeah. and above and beyond to sell the movie through. Oh, he and they did such an amazing marketing job. They did. All the ads yeah. coming up before the movie opened were fantastic. Yeah. Really well done. It was. It's great where you have a movie, and you know, these days, all the movie releases are like it's like a chess game, and you know, oh, we got to release here, we got to release here. You know, it's. It's all, they're trying to optimize their release dates. And Deadpool was going to be over Valentine's Day. So what what did they do? They just put that into the marketing yeah. where they're like, Deadpool's like selling it like a love story. Yeah. He's sitting on the couch. Yeah. And, you know. In a come hither pose. Yeah. Yeah, it was brilliant. I, and, and the most ridiculous, you know, uh, rude character of all time in a movie that came came out in February. Yeah. February. Yeah. Which is usually a dead month. Yeah. And it's made it was a money. dead month. It's the Deadpool highest. Month. highest <laughs> <laughs> I'm full of them. I'm on fire. Uh, on give fire. me a minute. Give me a minute. <laughs> okay, I'm fine now. Um, the highest grossing restri- uh, R-rated movie yeah, of all time. All time. Yeah. In fact, it may have made more money than Batman v Superman. I'm not. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. But it's also really been influential with, like you said, the highest grossing R-rated film of all time. So now that everyone's talking about R-rated superheroes movies, yeah. like they're going to do Wolverine, the next one that's being re- that. yeah. reported as R-rated. Can't you wait. Know. They're doing a Batman v Superman R-rated cut for the release video release, I guess. Right. What would they put in it? More violence. More yeah. Martha. <laughs> More, which is what we need, yeah. right? Well, it's either Cowbell or Martha. And apparently they went with Martha. I got a Martha. fever. <laughs> And the only prescription is more, more Martha. Cowbell. More. <laughs> My mama. And the other uh, big release today was Uncharted 4 A Thief's End. So, which is? Uh, which is a video game for the PS4. It's a PS4 exclusive. All those Uncharted are. Which is why Uncharted I'll never play it because I have PS3. I didn't know uh, that. Okay. Right. Um, yeah, I'm, I like the... I don't know if I'll pick this up actually, but I'm a fan of the Uncharted series um, to a certain extent. They're uh, just to explain, Ross. Um, they're uh, uh, games that kind of combine a real cinematic uh, presentation where they tell this story. It's almost like uh, you know an, an Indiana Jones film where he's a, a poor man's yeah, a poor man's Indiana Jones where he's uh, a treasure seeker and uh, kind of a rogue. A, a, a scoundrel. A scoundrel, yeah. It sounds like uh, that uh, Stephen Collins TV show from the, <laughs> yeah, the Tales <laughs> of the Gold Monkey. Oh Alan Gordon, you know, that's, that's funny. That's a, good, that's a good comparison. Is it? Yeah, because he's kind of a smart ass, 
kind of Bruce Box Lightner type, oh I guess. And, That's a uh, terrible thing to say about anybody. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it's cinematic. Uh, it's a third-person shooter, so you just run along. You can see yourself. And uh, it's a, kind of a platform game, too, because you're, like, climbing stuff. And... Do you know me? It's frightening how many novels of suspense I've written. But still, when I'm not recognized, it just kills me. So instead of saying I wrote Carrie, I carry the American Express card. So, we're talking about Stephen King. He's the author of 54 novels, uh, six nonfiction books, and almost 200 short stories. So he's a little bit prolific. Michener by the pound. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. word. Exactly. Um, I read somewhere that he had a, his daily output when he's working is uh, 10 pages a day. So That's a lot. That's pretty good. That's every day. Double-sided? <laughs> I don't know about double-sided. But it's every day except his birthday and Christmas. Wow. So I can see why he's got so many books. There's been 95 films, TV movies, and TV shows based on his works. I always liked Stephen King's, and this is a bit off topic, his collaborations with Peter Straub. Right. Ghost Story. Well, The Talisman is one of my favorites. And The Talisman, yeah. That is one movie that I really want him to make, and it's gone nowhere. Because it's not... It's it's a bit more well, supernatural. There's just something about yeah. the books that are a bit less tangible. Right. Like Stephen King's books are so relatable because they're so detailed and the characters are so like somebody you know or right. Right. you get so attached to them. I just found that the Peter Straub's books are a little less. That's true. You can't grasp them to the same way. That's true. And now, is that, you, you said ghost story. Is that the ghost story that was made into a movie in the 80s? Yeah, with Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire and mm-hmm. all the old guys? Yep. Mm-hmm. And Al, is it Alice Krieg? Yes. As a ghost? Yes. Played Cat- Borg Queen and, and Star Trek First Contact. Catwoman right. or what was she it? Played no. Catwoman? No, no, no not Catwoman. Um, Catwoman. Some cat movie with... Oh, uh, cat, peop- cat, cat People. Cat People, yes. Yeah. She was in that? Claudia Klinsky or whatever her name is. No, was. I'm thinking uh, of another one. It was a terrible movie, but it always stuck in my mind and she had a son. Uh, I'll have to look it up. Huh. Wasn't Pet Cemetery, was it? No. There was a cat in that. That was a very disturbing movie. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that. All right. Um, actually, uh, what I wanted to talk about first was um, the uh, my first experience uh, reading Stephen King. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's not under, this kind uh, under of show. The cover, under the covers. <laughs> yeah, hang on a minute. <laughs> I'm not going second, so <laughs> I want to see where you're going with this. Um, so the first Stephen King book I ever read was Pet Cemetery, and uh, I actually borrowed it from our high school library. Isn't that funny? Like, would well, they it's do? Not funny, haha! But would they do that now? Have oh, you mean uh, you don't think they would have the books at all? Yeah. Why not? Yes, they would. Sure, because Steve, Pet Cemetery had some pretty adult situations in it, right? I guess it depends on what. Uh, I like, mean, maybe not in a. Do you really think they would have Pet Cemetery in a high school uh, library now? That's yes. funny. Really? Yeah. Wow. I do. Yeah, I that's know. so funny. I always thought it was kind of strange that 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 they would have that there, but um. Pet Cemetery, like I've read you know, a lot of Stephen King books, and every one has on the cover, you know, they've got critics' uh, quotes, and it's like terrifying and and frightening, you know, make your hair stand on end. And I've not really been really scared of any Stephen King book except for Pet Cemetery. Yeah, it is a terrifying book. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's because it's a bet. Well, I guess it starts with the pet and then becomes. Can we spoil the book? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll put that in the front because. Yeah. 
There'll be a lot All of spoilers. Right. Well, obviously, you know, episode. the the cat coming back is is terrifying. But then, you know, when they're when when the kid dies, yeah, Gage. Is that yeah, the name? Oh, yeah. oh, I remember yeah. that book scarred me. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it and having a, kids, I can't even think about. Yeah. You know the creepy uh, uh, neighbor. Uh, well, the creepy neighbor across the yeah, road. Yeah, Jed, Jed Crandall. But then <laughs> the uh, the plot that's behind their place that they they discover that yeah. I, the whole thing yeah. is just. Duh. You know what? We know what I really pull out of that book. I mean, there's a lot of scary situations, but the sequence where Jed is is showing him the burial ground, like church. Their cat has died on the road, and it's the he's got a daughter and she's distraught. So J- Judd, I think his name is Judd, he uh, takes uh, uh, Lewis, takes him to the actual Indian, Indian burial ground where this stuff happens, where you'll bury something and it'll come back to life. And that whole sequence where he's leading him through is just masterfully written like it's creepy and it's o- ominous as dread There's it is it's dread. full of dread just this this trip where jed's uh jed's almost hypnotized because that's the pull of this of this plot is it pulls people to it to do this thing right well, i remember when i read the book which might have been my first as well yeah oh, there i go Going on my, you know, <laughs> pop my cherry. It wasn't my but, first. No. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Uh, I can remember, you know, getting halfway through the book and thinking, well, wait a minute, you know, they brought the cat back to life, but that's not the whole book, is it? Right. Like, what? Of course not. And then you start, you know, there's the whole scene with the kid, you know, heading towards the road and your, your heart just sinks and you think, oh, no, don't do it. Right. But they do. But they have to do it. Yeah. And I think again, Stephen King's books were always. I found they oh, you could always relate to the characters. Like they, he oh, yeah. gave you so much detail right. that you felt like you knew them or you could be them, and right. somehow it made it even the most outlandish story more believable because somehow you right. felt his some characters connection. are very grounded. They they're, are they're, they're like and relatable. They be, yeah, yeah. The people you would meet in the street or you somebody you know, know, a relative. Yeah. Right. Well, that's his whole thing. Is he takes these characters that you completely relate to and then he just puts them in the pressure cooker in these terrible situations right yeah. and then you like feel so much but as they go through this and just to jump back to that alice cringe thing is that Krieg? Krieg. Krieg. I how you say her name. so i was trying to remember the name movie it was sleepwalkers it was actually a screenplay oh, written by, by stephen, stephen king, king. Yeah. there we go anyway i'll drop yeah. that yes uh, we'll get into the adaptations later but i'll uh, you know i um I'm of the opinion that Stephen King cannot write an adaptation of his own work to save his life because they've Doesn't all seem that sucked. Way. They've all it's sucked. It's unfortunate, but true. Yeah. Um, actually, talking about Pet Cemetery, uh, Stephen King himself actually thought he had gone too far when he wrote that book. He thought it was a little too much, and he was going to shelve it. And I guess uh, his wife, Tabitha, and Peter Straub, his buddy, convinced him to actually publish it. It's been a kinder, gentler time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these exactly. days there's nothing that's too far oh god no that's your right. average twilight book has more that's right yeah. so to um put uh stephen king's writing career into perspective um king uh only earned seventy seven thousand five hundred dollars in advances for his first five novels and uh they were all published by Doubleday, and they were carrie salem's lot the shining night shift and the stand just think of those. Wow. wow. Those are maybe his best, probably his best stuff. And uh, as a wow. contrast to that, when he later negotiated his fee for Bag of Bones in 19, uh, 1997, he was asking $17 million in advances for that book alone. 
Wow. <laughs> so, so he's probably well off now, I think. So yeah, probably. Had some success. Yeah. Probably. He's had some success as a writer. But um, uh, actually, that deal, he eventually just settled for $2 million in advances, but he got 50% of the gross on the sales of that book. Was Bag of Bones any good? Bag of Bones was good. You ever read that? No. I think I have it on my shelf. I just haven't read it. It is good. It's it's a good one. Um, I uh, I was a huge King fan. I read Pet Cemetery. Uh, the s- first Stephen King book I actually ever bought was Thinner. Yeah, yeah. yeah read that one. R- r- written, and t- uh, I think it was actually published as a Rich- Richard Bachman book. Yep. It said Stephen King writing as Richard Bachman. I think. They, well, maybe by the time the paperback yeah, came out, but yeah, the hardcover would have uh, been. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And Thinner was a really good book too. I love Stephen King growing up. I read yeah. all of his books I could right. get my hands on. Right. I used to write Same. stories. Funny I- how we were talking about this earlier when I mentioned um, to my wife we were doing a, a podcast on Stephen King. It's, it's, it's like reading Stephen King was of a certain age. Like I can remember being in, in late high school up until after university traveling. So, you know, maybe five or six years where I read every Stephen King book I could get yeah. my hands on. And, right. and then not. Yeah, and then it, and I know he he's published some great books since then. Mm-hmm. Haven't touched them. Yeah, that's what actually that's what what I was gonna say is I read all well, those. I just did. Yeah, and I'm gonna agree with you. Okay. And I uh, read right up until the dark half, which I think was 1989. Terrible movie. And it was a terrible book. Timothy Dal- no Timothy Hutton. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. And actually, uh, the dark half. That's one about the writer. Yeah. yeah it's actually cool. written. He wrote it after Richard Bachman was exposed as him, and he kind of based that book on the idea that a writer had a pseudonym, and that pseudonym actually comes to life and starts terrorizing him. Yeah. And it was not a good not book. Not best. Yeah, it was definitely not a good book. I read Stephen King a lot younger, more like grade seven, grade eight. Right. I had no parental supervision, so <laughs> I was allowed to read anything I wanted. Right. But it's funny, as I got older, I felt like Stephen King was kind of like the McDonald's of literature. Yeah. I kind of felt like I was too lowbrow in high school. I thought I was being super smart by reading, you know, pretentious books, Dostoevsky and stupid things like that, because I thought Stephen King made me look less so. But right. I would definitely come back to it now. I'm actually thinking I should reread some of this stuff because i remember it was almost a dare to read it because i knew it was going to terrify me right especially you know i at the time my room was in the basement as far away from the rest oh. of the family as possible <laughs> i uh right. yeah well i remember we watched uh it when it had a, it was a two-part tv yeah. event right yep. with tim curry yeah and uh up until that time so i don't know what that was in the 90s some mid 90s somewhere around there yeah. when it came up yeah uh I'd had this recurring dream of being in my uh, house I grew up in, a bungalow in North York, where we had our basement was half finished that had a pool table and, and sofas and fireplace. The other half was completely unfinished. It was where the workroom and the laundry room is. And so there was this door to get in. It was more of my dad's workshop and everything, you know, big storage area. And, you know, recurring dream of opening the door yep. and seeing this clown face and then not being able to close the door and get away. Right. And uh, then I watched it. I gotta go. Go? Without this. My nose. Exactly. Go on, kiddo. Take it. Oh. You want it, don't you, Georgie? Oh, of course you do. 
and there's cotton candy and rides and all sorts of surprises down here. And balloons, too. All colors. Do they float? Oh, yes. They float, Georgie. They float. And when you're down here with me, you float too! <laughs> and then I didn't have that dream anymore, but horrid. Well, Poltergeist did that for me. <coughs> oh, I had a clown right. just like that Poltergeist clown. That's so funny. And um, I'm pretty sure, I'm not sure when it came out, but I remember seeing Poltergeist and reading that book around the same time. And like I said, just, I terrified myself. Yeah. I'm surprised I slept. Was it Poltergeist 1 or 2 where he's looking at the branches? 1. And then they just... The original, po- yeah. the best one. <laughs> the first one was by far the scariest. Yeah. 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 For sure. In Indian burial ground again. There you yeah. Go. yeah, exactly. Can't yeah, go wrong with that. <laughs> you moved the, the stones, yeah, but, but you not didn't the move bodies. the bodies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good film. Son of a bitch, you moved the cemetery, but you left the bodies, didn't you? You son of a bitch, you left the bodies and you only moved the headstones. You only moved the headstones. Um, I, I was wondering if you guys, uh, just dealing with the books for now, I was wondering if you guys just had any particular... Um, Stephen King books that you want to talk about? I'd have to say, I mean, I loved uh, all the books that you've mentioned. I loved Pet Cemetery being the by far the scariest. But I think the one that resonated the most over time is the short stories mm. um, with the body. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Shawshank uh, Redemption, which yeah. wasn't called the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Uh, the story, which may not have been the same one. It may have been a different uh, short story collection. But those ones, those stories, maybe because they weren't horror, maybe because he just nailed the characters again. Right. Those books have really resonated, and I could read those those right. stories over and over. I thought right. they were fantastic. Yeah, it's from uh, different seasons. There we go. Yeah. So you had uh, Rita Hayworth and Shawshank Redemption. You had The Body. You had The Breathing Method, which I don't think has been turned into a film yet. Which is the one that had The Raft? Uh, That was some... Um, that that scared the pants off me. Oh, yeah. and the mist, the one where they where they yeah. uh, they I hunkered down in a supermarket. Yeah. And there's all these flying things. That was outside. a good movie too. I never saw the movie. Oh, but the movie's good. Yeah. The book was. Oh. I don't think I'll spoil. I won't spoil that movie, the mist adaptation. But it has. I really enjoyed that movie. Another Frank Darabont, the same guy that did Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. And uh, that movie is really faithful to the book. It uh, hits all the notes. It's really well done. But I despise the last five minutes. It has this terrible, terrible, terrible ending. Oh. And to me, it's so bad that it colors the whole thing for me. Now I'm intrigued. Yeah. I won't spoil it. All right. I'll go you watch will it. remain intrigued but until you I was watch just, it. I was just hearing that they're actually going to do a TV series based on The Mist. A series? Yeah. Sure. A series, a it's a total show. zombie type thing, right? Well, actually, yeah. I guess uh, in this day and age, The Walking Dead, you absolutely could do it. Yeah. Right? Well, and Frank Darabont was part of this, the... For the first season. Yeah. That's true. It's, and then he got booted. And then he got booted off the show. That's true. So it'll be interesting what they'll do if they'll make, uh, you know, cover anything in the novella or just continue at the end. Because the novella had a great ending. You know, Stephen King does that quite a bit. He has these ambiguous endings. They just... They go off and you don't know what happens to them. And that it was an ending like that in the in the book, in the story of the mist, and I really liked it. It's just you just with your imagination, imagine what's going on. Which is usually more terrifying anyway. Yeah. 
but hopefully well, what they did in the movie was pretty terrible but i guess that's why i ruined it for you yeah yeah exactly well it's not only that it's terrible it's just stupid uh. just the behavior of the character at the end is, mm. why would you do that and then uh you mentioned it already but thinner i i think i i'm I think when I read it, I actually didn't know it was a Stephen King. So maybe it was the first yeah. paperback printing didn't, didn't right. have that out. But it was uh, promoted as a you know Stephen King like uh, story, right. and that was quite good because the you know the the gypsy and the curse and the yeah. and this it, it, there's this you know the slow progression of losing weight. It was uh, right. That was a good one too. Yeah, yeah. I haven't I haven't reread that. I don't think since I first read it. I've reread a lot of the Stephen King stories, some of them multiple times. By now, maybe ten times. But uh, Thinner, I never reread, but I remember really enjoying it. It's their typical Richard Bachman. I really love uh, King writing as Richard Bachman because he writes very kind of brutal, no nonsense, uh, you know, cut to the bone, really quick stories. And sometimes I think his. His books he's written as Stephen King kind of have a lot of fat and they yander. That's actually a good point because I seem to remember like the Richard Bachman books actually being thin. They're not. They're not. They are thinner. Yeah, they are. Not the two to three inch. Uh, no, no. Yeah, exactly. Like the, we mentioned earlier, the nineteen sixty three. That's a massive tone. Yeah, yeah. Well, I liked um, the Dead Zone, The Shining. Yeah. The Dead Zone's a great book. That's one of the ones I've yeah. reread lots of times. That may be his best work, I think. Maybe. Yeah, it's possible. You know, it can be argued. So I think it's not it's not a horror book uh, in in the same vein as his others, but right. it's so well realized. Yeah, it's so scary, right. <laughs> especially now when you know, were six months away from <laughs> maybe yeah. Greg Stilson coming into exactly. power. Exactly, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I think I'd that's prefer true. Greg Stilson over <laughs> Trump. <laughs> You're talking I'm not sure about he's crazier. <laughs> Hello. At least Greg Stilson had proportioned hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or something. Yeah. It's funny that those first uh, books, like uh, The Shining and The Stand, um, they're, uh, they're all, like, it's just Stephen King as a horror writer taking different horror topics and dealing with them, right? Like, Carrie is telekinesis, and... Salem's lot of vampires, right? You're hitting all the beats that you have to hit as a horror writer, the topics. The Shining is a haunted house. Telekinesis. And telekinesis. And yeah. uh, the stand, I don't know what the hell the stand is. I guess I, I, the apocalypse. That's the that's post-nuclear yeah, world. Yeah, it's an apocalyptic tale, right? Mm -hmm. And he's just hitting all those beats. The dead zone being, you know, tele, uh, telekinesis again, or not telekinesis, uh, mind reading or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's got a focus, he's hitting all the beats, and then he just kind of, I don't know if you just ran, if you ran out of horror archetypes and then you have to start making shit up, but it just, he, like you were saying, Ross, just, I lost interest because he just wasn't hitting those horror beats. Well, he'd written everything. Yeah. I mean, it. what's left? You got Firestarter, too. You got Firestarter, Telekinesis. You, you know, children. You bring children into it and animals and... Cujo, yeah. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, like an animal. Dog. Cujo is his animal attack. Yeah, cars, story. Christine. Christine is a Did he do Silver car. Bullet? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, That's werewolves. vampire. Yeah, werewolves. Werewolves. werewolves yeah. 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 So he hits all those horror beats, and then after a while, it's just well, not all of them. Not all of them, I, I think, are as successful. So Salem's Lot was fantastic. Yeah, um, because it took it took vampires, but you know, a twist. Yeah, 
And, you know, we were talking about this the other day, the, 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 I mean, we're talking about the adaptation, but the scene where the, uh, the kid looks out his window and he sees his best friend just hovering there. Yeah. That's yeah. terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Like really terrifying. Cause you're, maybe you're a kid and maybe you're reading it in your room and you look over to that window that's oh, sure. in your room and you're like, not if you're in the basement <laughs> though. No, no, I feel like Laura. No, I didn't sleep. I mean, I got to the point where my parents wouldn't let me have books. <laughs> I wasn't because I wouldn't go to bed. I'd stay up all night and read because I couldn't put it down. Yeah. Right. Not just Stephen King, but just whatever I had my hands on at the time. Right. right. And now I hardly read at all. Yeah. My brain's well, probably shriveling up as we speak. Right. Yeah. So you said, uh, you said Dead Zone. What was the other one you mentioned? The Shining. The Shining. Yeah. Shining's another good tale. Well, and it's such a great film too but i mean that story was again that little boy in red room and just the tension of that again his stories like they're so detailed you feel like you're there yeah you know even before the movie you know without a lot of flowery descriptions though i mean he's he's very economical with his descriptions and yet very evocative that's right yeah which you know maybe that's one of why yeah he doesn't he doesn't, you know, make a flowery description of something. He just, the he describes the thing, and then it just seems real. Like he describes a thing that you see and know and interact with, you know, every day in your life, right? And he just, it feels like that. You're in a real world. Yeah. Right? But he's not trying to impress you with big words. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, no, he again, he just brings it right down to, you know, the common denominator of what everybody can relate to. Right. Right. It's definitely his gift as a writer, for sure. Right. And it's just, it's an easy read. Yeah. Like, there's no, it just... Exactly. It's a page turner in the sense that you don't have to, you know, it's not too, it doesn't take too much, but it, you know, once you get... I've always I've always found his books just sucked you in. And again, you get to a certain point, you don't want to stop because you're like, where is this going? But then you finish it off the next day. Like, it's not a long yeah, read. Yeah, it is. And it's an easy, it's an easy, easy read. read. Yeah. Right. I guess maybe that's why... He, doesn't get, you know, a lot of respect as like a l- real literary writer. I don't think he's attempting that though. Yeah. I, mean, I think he's trying to write the great American novel. I think he's he's a he's a workman writer, but he's very good at what he does. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, 200 years from now, is he the Shakespeare of our time? Yeah, maybe. He's prolific. He's covered all the bases. The last poor year. You know, are they going to be talking about the Goldfinch or, you know, when there's a, you know, when you can't, they've found a million copies of The Shining, you know, because there's been so many. I just I sometimes think, you know, it's popular. It's popular culture. It might not be the the best example of. Well, they alluded to that in uh, Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, when they jump back to 1980 San Francisco and Kirk mentioned something, the great authors of the day, your Jacqueline Suzanne's, your, <laughs> because, you know, there's, again, Still, yeah. yeah, there's so many of them and there's they're all over the place that, mm. you know, you could be mistaken for thinking, well, they printed a billion of them. They must be good. Right. Yeah, so um, my pick uh, to talk about is uh, is the Bachman books. And uh, I reread them. I have a uh, the collection, the paperback, I guess, 1985, 86, it came out. And um, I love all the stories in it. And uh, uh, the stories are actually uh, Rage, Roadwork, uh, The Running Man. Ooh. Oh, right. <laughs> We'll get into that later. And uh, The Long Walk is the other one. And they're great stories. Um, they're, uh, one reason why I'm, I like them probably is 
two of those, The Long Walk and The Running Man, are science fiction stories. And Stephen King doesn't write a lot of science fiction. Very few. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's written a lot of, I think, science fiction stories, like uh, short stories like you were talking about. Uh, Skeleton Crew, I think, has a couple. But, uh, yeah, science fiction stories, and they're not bad, you know. He creates uh, interesting worlds in both of those stories, futuristic worlds. Um, but the thing that really I think about most when I think about the Bachman books is uh, rage, and it's because I kind of rage about what he did to that story because rage is a story about a kid who goes into his school and he shoots the teacher and he holds his class hostage. And it's kind of hard to describe, but he has a kind of, uh, like, a, he calls getting it on. It's like, you know, really getting to the, to the, uh, down to the marrow of each of these kids that are in his class and like really analyzing them and fig- figuring out why he's doing what he's doing and how the kids are really not that much different from him. It's told in a first person voice. And, uh, King, there was a couple of instances, uh, where there were some school shootings and they found a copy of rage in the locker of one of the kids. Oh boy. And, um, after that, King let it go out of print. He let that, he let that book go out of print, and I, he can't get that omnibus collection anymore. And it sucks. Like I can't believe that Stephen King would do that. He would ab- admit culpability in such a way, because if 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 a Stephen King story goes out of print, that's purposeful, right? It's not some author that you know just it disappeared. <laughs> you know, Stephen King. Every story he's written, he could just keep printing in infinitum but he's let that one go out of print for a particular reason it's because he feels culpable for these shootings and he, did but he, has say he said he, that yeah yeah did he <laughs> yeah. he actually said he felt culpable yeah yeah well i would i would feel some level of guilt and maybe think well you know i've got a billion books out in the market maybe this one doesn't need to be out there it's going to inspire some crazies but but again i mean so what i mean is someone going to try to bury their dead toddler in a pet cemetery I mean, you know, I bet you it's happened. and again, and whose fault is that? Right. True. I mean, if someone, people who do things like that, if something they read resonates with them or something happens and pushes them in that direction, I just don't think it's the final factor or it's the overriding factor. I don't people think so do either. Stuff like Would that. you even say it's a major factor? No. Yeah. Because I that's a huge either. leap. If, if it was, if, if people were that easily swayed, we'd have a lot more of that shit going on. Yeah. Well, that's I just always been think. the claim, right? That uh, well, it's like video games, video games and, and movies music and kids to the point where they're, you know, like what was that movie with Keanu Reeves? The river was it the river. River's Edge. River's Edge. You know, with yep. uh, desensitized uh, kids. Well, you know, that was a movie, but you just have to look at the Vena Kirk incident from British Columbia. The girl that was kicked to death and drowned in a river because mm. she had slighted some popular kids, and you don't need any kind of popular culture to make humans. Cruel, cruel, right? And terrible. But if I was a writer and I had, you know, over a thousand books to my name, however many he has, if you feel any kind of, mm, yeah, maybe some people could uh, could take this book, you know, it's not like he's hurting for residuals. Yeah. Well, well the, I think it's his choice ultimately. Yeah. yeah. If he wants to not print it again, and that's up to him, then so be it. He can do that, and I can be pissed off that he's doing that. Of course. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, you could go into a rage. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, you can all you can see 
a, a little bit because um, in the context of the of the story, like I said, it's told in a first person voice, so you're right in the head of the character, right? And he's the main he's the main character, and you you definitely sympathize with him, right? You he's not some monster. He's a kid who's got issues, and he, like I said, the whole story is him just airing those issues with his classmates and them, you know, coming to an understanding of, and it's kind of vague, but they kind of come to an understanding that they and society have kind of made him, but he, he, do, he doesn't, you know, brush away his own responsibilities. And it's really an interesting story. I really like it. And you actually do feel sympathy for him, so I'm thinking maybe that, that is one mitigating factor where I can kind of see why Stephen King would do that because it's definitely not a story where it's like to solve your problems, go in and shoot your teacher. But you know, there's a lot of facets and and but everybody wants there. to see the black and right, white and oh, not sure. the gray, right? And I mean, and and if they show any gray, it becomes a culpability. Like it's like somehow saying, oh well, it's okay then, and it's not. I mean, I could see why you just don't want to open a conversation on that because you can't win. It's you know when people are entrenched in their beliefs, the more you argue, the more entrenched they get. Nobody wins. Nobody changes yeah. their and, mind. And would you want to be called every time there's a school shooting? Would you want to be called by Fox and say, you know? How do you, you feel comment about on this? Yeah. yeah, do you want to comment? Your book promoted this kind of activity. Yeah. Maybe he just didn't, you know, want, want to, to deal with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, the funny thing is in one of the stories in the Bachman books, the the Running Man, um, in the story, you know, we'll deal with the shitty Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> film. In a Richard Arnold. Dawson, come on. That's yeah. the only good part of it. But uh, in the end of the story, the guy, the running man, uh, Ben Richards, he flies a jet into the side of the game uh, headquarters, right? Flies a plane into the side of a building. So is Stephen King culpable for 9-11? Well, that's a stretch. Yeah. Why? That's more of a stretch. That's a guy flew stretch. a plane into a building. But, yeah. A kid shot a teacher at school. That's more direct. I mean, you know, uh, trying to stop a, oh. an evil TV show that's... Uh, uh, basically, you know, letting people get killed is a mm. different story than um, a terrorist attack on. Well, the, the other influential influential thing is, you know, we're not that far from that. I know. <laughs> that is the most prescient book he's made. This was ever. written in 1979, yeah. The Running Man. We are, we are so close to that now, it's not funny. Yeah. Well, I, reality you know, TV. doing some research, uh, I found, uh, you know, there was a couple of, of, of game shows that are really close to that, like, there was one called The Chair, where they, like, for real life. Like, this is, it sounds like it would be one of the games that they have in The Running Man, but I think Fox did it, where it's a chair, and they strap people to the chair, and they ask them questions, and they're blowing loud noises, and they, like, turn down the temperature, and they, like, give them electric shocks and stuff. I'm not surprised. <laughs> well, if you've the, ever seen... That literally could be out of The Running Man. Sure. And, and you know... It, <laughs> I mean, we're we're getting to the point where we're repeating history. You know, we're going to be it's gonna, we're going to have Roman gladiator games, except now they'll be televised. Yeah, um, which actually Star Trek made a show about called Bread and Circuses. That right. you know, we we go in these cycles of highs and lows of civilizations, and you know, we're in we're right now. We need this constant, constant stimulus, and it's not enough. We've got to watch something even more outrageous. Right. If you've ever seen Japanese game shows, yeah. those yeah. are crazy. Oh, yeah. they're yeah. going to do it before we are. Yeah. yeah. Some of those are well. Those are the ones where you're torture. like, play for a pair of underwear, yeah. or you know, yeah. like. Oh. Well, they did the movie Battle Royale. Have you ever seen that Japanese film? Like no. a bunch of kids in a game like that where they got a battle to the death. Oh, yeah. 
which is, like I say, it's just right around the corner. Coming up next week on Fox. Yeah. Yeah. Death and mayhem. Well, if, if Trump becomes president, I think we'll accelerate to that on TV. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You could be right. Um, Roadwork is another one of the books in the Bachman books, and it's a really good tale. Uh, it's uh, it's about a guy, and there's a, a highway extension that's being built in his, in his town, and it's going to go through where his house is, and then it's going to go through the laundry where he works. And the book is about this guy kind of not taking it. Like, uh, he, he, uh, he doesn't really want to lose his house because he had had a son who at nine was diagnosed with a brain tumor and died. And uh, it kind of changes him. And he's like, he's, look, he's walking around his house and he's looking at all the places where his son played and all this stuff. And then they're going to knock down his, the laundry, the laundry uh, like, uh, what do you call it? Like a, not a laundry, you know. Dry cleaner? Not, yeah, well, it's like a place where they do sheets for hotels and stuff. Like it's oh. an industrial laundry. That's right. what I'm thinking of. So he doesn't take it. He, 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 uh, he, he fights back. And at the end, he blows up his own house. That's and, fighting back. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. At, at the end, that's that's his last stand, right? That's it. All kind of pigeonholes him into this spot where that's what he ends up doing, and it's really well done. It's and he's kind of going insane. He's going, he's going crazy during the story, and it just really brilliantly shows that where he just insanity just kind of creeps up on you and you deal with it, you know, you kind of normalize it in your head and it does a great job of, uh, of reflecting that. So should we, uh, talk about, uh, TV and movie adaptations of Stephen King? Yeah. We're going to pivot. I'm going to pivot to, uh, Stephen King movie adaptations. Um, did you guys have ones you want to pick out before I start yammering? Cause I just yammered a lot. You did. Yeah. There's a lot of yammering. Yeah. There is a lot of yammering. Yeah. Maybe maybe go easy on the Emery. I'm gonna I'm gonna cover uh, the Dead Zone. Okay, that's and a I'm great, talk about, great movie. Um, Pet Cemetery only because it was such not a great movie. Okay, so go ahead. I'm recording. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's a lot easier to talk about the not great movies because there's a lot. Of there's them. a lot that's of them. maximum. Yeah, we don't have time for that. Oh, that that's was fine. come on. That wasn't the worst. That was kind of campy. Oh, Emilio Estevez. I don't uh, think so. ACDC soundtrack. Who made who? Come on. All right. So it had something going for it. It did. Uh, Christine was not a great movie. No, but I no. liked it for some reason. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, most people didn't like it, but there was something, it felt very true to the story. Yeah. And the character's like, yeah. The the actor, I think, uh, went on to be to direct, but the guy who, who was in Christine as the, uh, who got taken over by the car, he was very good. Yeah. But I don't think they sold the... The horror and the chills. I think you know there were some aspects of the movie that were good, yeah. but overall it didn't. What's well, that's funny about that because uh, John Carpenter directed it. You think he'd have a grip yeah. on horror? Well, no. John Carpenter is very spotty. Hit I mean, miss. That's definitely you know, true. Yeah. Yeah. You think about Halloween. You think of the thing, and maybe even Big Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble. Oh, one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Uh, so even the vampires. fog was fun, or vampires was fun. But I oh my god, vampires! Lot. Vampires it, are terrible. It is terrible. Terrible, James terrible, Wood, terrible, come terrible. on! Oh, James! Even Wood. James Wood, scenery. He Could, yeah. couldn't out. save it. Yeah. Couldn't save it. 
but I was going to talk about, I think the dead zone is the most, uh, the, other than maybe Stand By Me, well, there's going to be a few. Stand By Me, Shawshank Redemption, yeah. and Dead Zone are the three best realized movie. The Shining? Uh, no. No, yeah, I'd agree with you. I'd agree with you. I think the Dead Zone is is perfect in in the cast. In it's not you know overly faithful to the book. Uh, right. You're just waiting for David an opportunity Cronover. to Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> the ice is gonna break. It's gonna break. <laughs> you wanna? That's you really wanna kill your kids. own kid. Uh, <laughs> That's the only ice. reason. Hey, you're gonna push the button <laughs> and kill. A lot of people. No, they, uh, David Cronenberg. You know, just that yeah. it was at the the high, the peak of his directing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was the first one he did where it wasn't based on an original story. Yeah, it was also his most mainstream film, definitely, because he'd done stuff like Scanners and The Brood. Yeah, and I think Rabid. Scanners was just before uh, yeah. uh, the Dead Zone. Yeah. So did the Fly you know, afterwards. Uh, these that I mean, was good. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But th- this was just so perfectly done, and you yeah. know. The, the special effects weren't, uh, they didn't need to be great, but what right. they did do when, you know, he's in the bed and the burning. Right. Uh, and it was yeah. just it's so well done. Yeah, they did a great job. Uh, Stephen King himself commented that one thing they did, one thing that Cronenberg uh, did was, you know, when Johnny's having his visions, he uh, he's put right into yes. the scene that yeah. he's seeing. Like you said, he, the, he's... Uh, He's um, in the hospital bed, and the nurse comes by, and he grabs him, and a nice little bit of a shock uh, scare there. And then uh, he sees her daughter at in home, and there's a fire. And then all of a sudden, he's in the bed, and there's a there's flames all around him. Yeah, and it's really well done. It it really it visually tells a story much better. Yeah, right. Yeah. Because uh, you know you have to have a translation from book to movie. Right, there's got to be a translation there, and and that that Visual involves the character having the having the you know the 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 scenes because he's got to have he's got to have that sense of jeopardy. Yeah. Then the fact that you know these visions are killing him, right? And he wants to withdraw from from everything, but the uh, the guy who wants to hire him to tutor his uh, his kids yeah. pulls him out a little bit. Anthony Zerb, if you Anthony want to uh, make another awesome. Star Star Trek reference, you can reference him, and he was uh, in Insurrection. Insurrection. Yeah. yeah, terrible movie. <laughs> Uh, but Martin Sheen was just oh my god. He, I mean, even with the hard hat and the rabble yeah. rousing in the speeches in that yeah. movie, it's it's eerily familiar. Yeah, it seems eerily. kind of familiar because he yeah. he starts you know um, um, denigrating people who aren't working, even though you know economy can go up and down. But he's yeah. denigrating lazy people. And he's light years more intelligent than Trump. You've just even that character. Come on, I don't know. I, don't know. I take him over Trump. <laughs> I would. He still pushes the button that starts World War Three. Yeah, <laughs> lots of things could change along the way. Yeah, That's just yeah. one possible outcome. Well, I think he was pretty clear that what he saw was was fairly certain. Yeah. And then you know the brilliant. I mean, it, it's described in the book, but the brilliant scene at the end in the church where he's decided he's going to die anyway. Yeah. But he has to rid the world of this guy who could start World War Three. Yep. And he goes to, you know, he's got the rifle. He's up in the, in the, I guess it's a church where yep, the guy's doing yep, speech. Yep. And he's about to pull the trigger, but he sees his his girlfriend, girl that he loves, yep. hesitates. Sarah. He gets shot. Yeah. But while he's hesitating, and you know, people are scrambling. Martin Sheen's character, Stillman, Greg Stillman, Stilson, Stilson, yeah. Stilson, yeah. yeah, picks up a kid. I think her <laughs> kid, right? And holds yeah. it up yeah. as a shield. Yeah. And you know, now everybody knows he yeah. didn't need to kill him. Yeah. 
He just needed to expose him. Actually. I'm thinking that's right now. That's the only thing Donald Trump can do that would that he would lose his. <laughs> Probably uh, not. <laughs> Probably not. Oh. They find a way to talk him way out of that. You know. Really? He takes it, holds what, a baby could, up as a human shield. What could he possibly he could do? T- He's I already mean, said he could shoot somebody dead in Times Square. Yeah, and that's nothing true. Would happen. That's and, true. And oh my god! It may as well it be a so kid. So similar. Yeah, might as well be a kid. <laughs> god damn. A dog, probably not, but a child, <laughs> yes. Yeah. People are like not ah, a white what child. What a terrible yeah. view! Oh my gosh! I what know. a terrible. We're so cynical. Come on. So cynical. Dark times. This is not necessary, Mr. President. We have a diplomatic solution, Mr. Vice President. Mr. Secretary, the missiles are flying. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But uh, I'd say the movie that that I was the most surprised at, because although I'd read the short story, uh, I didn't. I, I, a, I didn't see how it could be made into a full length movie. But mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I think get how good it, how good it could be was the Shawshank Redemption. Right. That oh, no. movie is just. It's beautiful. It's it yeah. is a beautiful movie. It's yeah. a beautiful movie. And it's it's commonly so regarded well as maybe the best film ever made. The know. best film. Commonly yeah. by 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 people. People named Bill? Okay. By me. <laughs> <laughs> so noted. Yeah. But uh, it yeah. isn't it is a It is a great movie. movie. Yeah. I mean, I think it does it's on the top of a lot of people's list in the top 10. Yeah. yeah. It, it is a fantastic. Ever made. And I don't think we can underestimate how surprising as well that uh stand by me how well it it did yeah. too because it it turned a story which you know alluded to that sort of coming of age um part of a childhood and made it the whole thing right and at the end you know when you cut to modern day which with his clunky you know giant computer that takes up a whole <laughs> desk with the you yeah. know massive clunkety clunk keyboard yeah. and uh it's richard dreyfus and yeah. you know uh uh, I don't think I'll ever have uh, friends like I did when I was twelve. Yeah. You know, who, like does? Hell, who does? Who does? Yeah. And uh, it's it, you. You feel that pang of yeah. of you know. Oh my God! When I was things were so much easier, and I it, things yeah. felt so much more real when yeah. I was that age than they do now. Yeah. And, and then he goes out and he's playing with his kids in the yeah. background and the with the um, uh, processor, word processor, sitting there, and you can see him playing with his kids, and it's just continuing, right? Yeah. But you know, I did find that movie very depressing for a lot of reasons. Again, just because one River Phoenix, right? Um, Because I thought he was a great actor. When you watch it now, you think, "Well, yeah, what what lost potential, right?" Yeah. Yeah. And then, but for the same reason, when you're like, you know, you'll never have friends when you're twelve. Twelve is such an early part of your life, and it is kind of depressing to think that that's, you know, and it's true. I mean, I I remember things from my childhood that I'll probably never experience again. That's kind of sad. Yeah, and it all is. the friends. And you, you can't capture but that, it. But I think that's what the movie doesn't gloss over. That I think it actually, you know. It, but that's though, why I find it depressing. <laughs> I don't find it depressing, but I think it's it, that's what makes it quite a mature piece of uh, of cinema. And think of the actors that were in that. You know, Will Wheaton and Keeper Sutherland, River Phoenix, um, Jerry O'Donnell. Yeah, uh, unrecognizable Jerry Corey, O'Donnell. With Corey Haim, was it Corey Haim or the other one, Corey? Corey, Corey Feldman. Feldman. Corey Feldman, sorry. Yeah, As uh, Duchamp. He's <laughs> depressing. Yeah. That gets a That's depressing actor. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. really gone. Another Have you guy. ever seen his angel videos? No. Just look them up. I'm, af- I'm not going to say anything now. else. I'm not going to say anything else. I'm almost afraid. <laughs> Corey's Angels, just check them out. That's but such funny. such a good movie. And yeah, that, that pang is a little, is, is slightly depressing, but. Yeah. It's more like the stab of a knife at this point. Mm. <laughs> Every year you're just further away from that. 
That's funny. It's true. Closer to the void. Oh, well, here we go. <laughs> right. Yeah. One step. <laughs> step closer. All right. Mickey's a mouse. Donald's a duck. Pluto's a dog. What's goofy? If I can only have one food for the rest of my life, that's easy. Pass. Cherry flavor pass. No question about it. Goofy's a dog. He's definitely a dog. I knew the $64,000 question was fixed. There's no way anybody can know that much about opera. He can't be a dog. He wears a hat and drives a car. Wagon Train's a really cool show, but did you ever notice that they never get anywhere? Just keep wagon training. God, that's weird. What the hell is Goofy? Laura, did you have something you wanted to pick out for movies? Um... I guess, I mean, I think, just to elaborate, yep. it's. I have the same feelings. It feels like a lot of the slower stories, like Stand By Me, they've done such a better job with the movies, but I think it's because the characters are so well-defined, and when they actually translate to a movie, they're able to do that. But I find like the the horror movies, they've just done such a terrible oh, job. Yeah. Of of conveying what was in those books, right? And I think that's why Stephen King has never been able to actually translate his own movies because he's so um, verbose and so dense in everything that he does, and then to distill it down to right. what a hundred twenty page script. Right. Well, one of the trademarks of Stephen King when he's writing is you hear the thoughts of the characters. Yeah. He so puts, how do you how do you get that in a movie? Yeah, yeah. without narration, which is really plotting and yeah. you know, sometimes it works like Stand By Me, Richard Dreyfus is narrating it and he has But it's that kind of story where it it's up. just it's like a summer's day, you know, you don't want it to end or it's just sort of there's just something about the mood of some of these stories that they catch, like the Shawshank Redemption. There's a heavy sadness over that whole oh, yeah. right. story. Like I can't, what was the old man and his bird in, in jail forever and Right. I just yeah, Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. I mean, or the the you know the the incredible sadness of Morgan Freeman finally being released, yeah. and yeah. then not knowing. Well, he, he had no place. He's to a bag. Yeah, he's the another. prison wasn't the prison, you know. Yeah. I don't think you ought to be doing this to yourself, Andy. This is just shitty pipe dreams. I mean, Mexico is way to hell down there, and you're in here, and that's the way it is. Yeah. Right. That's the way it is. It's down there and I'm in here. I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really. Get busy living. Or get busy dying. I mean, again, it's just, there's this incredible sadness and heaviness to his more serious stories. And then the scary ones, it's just, it's disappointing that they've never translated successfully like right. i'm trying to think again well, i thought the shining the, was you good said the shining, yeah. i like the shining because yeah. there's that sense of dread and you know jack nicholson is over the top but he was right. perfect uh, for my that problem, movie i mean uh, i think i think the movie kind of fails towards the end but it is a brilliantly done movie i mean it's stanley kubrick hmm. but shelly duvall really olive oil <laughs> well how did she ever have a career how is that yeah. possible? robert duvall okay that's why Oh, mm. yeah, oh, they're not Coppola. I was thinking of... Uh, the nepal- it's nepotism. I mean. Adrian from Rocky. She's right. a Coppola. Adrian! She is so strange in that film, The Shining. 
She is very, and it She's put me so it strange. put me off because I thought there was something about her character that because I hadn't read the book, I thought yeah. there was something that was going to come out about her character, but no. Yeah, she's not really used. No, she just bug eyed the whole movie. Yeah, um, exactly. Please, don't hurt me. I'm not gonna hurt you. Stay away from me, Wendy. Stay away, darling. Light of my life. I'm not gonna hurt you. You didn't let me finish my sentence. I said, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. I'm going to bash them right the fuck in. <laughs> the the elevators opening with the, you know. Yeah, iconic. Yeah. Iconic cinema that is, yeah, visual. Is, uh, yeah. You know, incredible. And, and I remember when I uh, I was a kid, I was uh, went to the theater to watch a movie. I can't remember what it was, but they played that trailer, and I was scarred. I probably wasn't. The Shining was 1980. So, so how you were like two, three? No, wasn't two or Going three. Going to movies on your own? 67, 77, like 12 or 13. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, that just visual just scarred me. Oh, yeah. uh, elevator, just blood gushing from it. Or the woman in the bathtub. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot yeah. of scary yeah, yeah. scenes. Like I mean, I or felt... Or just Danny. Like this This is a what kind of a filmmaker Kubrick is, is Danny just riding through the halls in his big wheel. Yeah. yeah. Was yeah. ominous. Very. Or, or the, you know, the scenes in the bar with Jack Nicholson yeah. talking to the, you know, the yeah. imaginary the bartender. The bartender. bartender. There's yeah. a sense face. of dread that, you know, something's going to happen. I mean, it's a, it's a very well-made movie, but for some reason it doesn't. Yeah. Well, for me, it was, again, Jack Nicholson list. made up for maybe the shortcomings of Shelley Duvall. She was irritating. There's something irritating about her, and yes. I didn't really care. Right. Like, again, unlike most of those, most of his books, I felt I, you know, engaged in the story. And when there were characters pitted against each other i always felt it was sort of hard to choose because he always managed to make you feel something for everybody yeah but i don't know i thought jack nicholson was well what's funny is uh stephen king hates the shining adaptation um hates a strong word he hates it he uh describes it as a big shiny cadillac with no engine Mm. because what bothers him is you know the Shining, like I said, it's another book where Stephen King is hitting a horror beat, and he, here he's hitting a, the haunted house yeah. beat. And uh, you know, the book is uh, Jack Torrance is a as a teacher, uh, ex teacher. He's had some personal problems, so he's gonna go to the Overlook and be the caretaker and try to write the great American novel, right? And so he's just a guy. He's got some. He's got some. Uh, He's got some issues. He's an alcohol, ex-alcoholic, right? And he's he, he in, a, in a fit one time, he broke his son's arm. So he's got like, you know, he's trying to deal with the issues, right? He's trying, to, he's trying to get his act together. So he goes to the overlook and he's, you know, you're in the book, you're, you're kind of rooting. Like, is he going to be able to get his shit together? And the hotel drives him crazy by exploiting all these weaknesses. But in the movie, you see... Jack Nicholson, you think, oh, that guy's fucking crazy. Yeah, it sort of jumps. You know, right it in. blows yeah. the whole the point of the novel just to hell, right? That no, guy's crazy. True, you see yeah. the arch. <laughs> I want you to keep hold it between your legs. You know, it's like it's Jack Nicholson, right? No, He's the Joker. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't a lot. Right. Of so there's those. no drama there. There's no angst. Like oh, but the problem is, so Stephen King is pissed off about it. So what does he do? He writes the screenplay for the TV movie version of The Shining. And it fucking sucks. And he does what he wants to do. He's got Steve Steve Weber from uh, Wings, I oh, think, yeah. is the guy. Is Jack Torrance, right? Just an everyday uh, or everyday guy. 
It just sucks. It blows. The Kubrick version blows that version out of the water, yeah. right? And it's because you need uh, a visual filmmaker like Stanley Kubrick to do the material right. You need to visually translate a Stephen King story to the film because Stephen King, I always think he's of the opinion that he can take his goal is to take as close as possible his words and put it on the screen. Yeah, and that work. doesn't work. No. They're two totally different mediums, books and movies. And you need a visual storyteller to tell the story right for the movies. And he doesn't get that. He just keeps trying and trying and failing. It, well, at least he's, you know, persistent. But well, yeah. uh, the only the only instance I can think where an author successfully adapted their best-selling book into one of my all-time favorite movies was William Goldman for The Princess Bride. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say Twilight. No. <laughs> did I look like I was building up to Twilight? You did. Really? You did. Really? <laughs> yeah, right up there. I got to work on that. Um, I mean, The Princess Bride is is dramatically different than the book. Right. Um, the whole... The, there's nothing in the book about the, the Peter Falk and... Um, uh, what's the actor's name? The kid. The Wonder Years? Wonder Years kid. Uh, Fred Savage. Fred Savage. That's not in the book. So that whole framing uh, part is in Brilliant. In Just brilliant. But it's it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And uh, he compl- he was on set every day, like, biting his nails to the point. I think there's a funny uh, um, documentary I made about the making of the movie. And Rob Reiner, you know, was, was shooting the first scene on the first day. And he could hear this crying hmm. over his headset. Wow. And he couldn't work out where crime. He said, "Okay, let's, let's something's I don't know what's going on. Let's do that again. Take two and same thing." And then he finally he worked out. He looked behind him, and William Goldman is standing behind him. And every time he said "action," William Goldman would be like, oh <laughs> he couldn't. Be, he was so so nervous that they would screw up his his own personal favorite book. Wow! And yet he ultimately had nothing to fear. Yeah. Did but he it, Did he like the result? You know, he did. He was very happy. Right. With the result. Yeah. It was a great movie. It was a great film. You'd have to be happy with it. Yeah. Uh, But I think in general, uh, authors should not adapt their own books. It's just not. You need somebody with a fresh perspective who's got a movie perspective perspective to to do it. And yeah, Stephen King, he keeps trying, but. Well, just look, Frank Darabont, Stanley Kubrick, David Cronenberg, Brian De Palma with Carrie, which was a really good adaptation. Carrie was a good movie. And even the remake was, was actually okay, too. But Carrie was really disturbing too. I don't know. It was one of those movies that. uh, Yeah. What year did that come out? Seventy-eight. No, no, it was before Star Wars, so it was (laughs) seventy-four, seventy-five, seventy-six. Sorry, how we gauge all movies. In in fact, in fact, it's BS. It was five years after Star Wars. It's BST before Star Wars. (laughs) They were Brian De Palma and George Lucas were casting for Carrie and Star Wars at the same time. So William Cat almost became Luke Skywalker. Uh, Yes, that's right. The greatest American hero. Yeah, Yeah, he was. and guy, before uh, Tommy Ross and Has he Carrie. aged any better than Mark Hamill? I don't know. I haven't seen him recently. <laughs> Mark uh, Hamill. Amy Irving was up for Princess Leia. Yeah. I mean, there was, they were there. Sissy and, Spacek, too. And Sissy Spacek. Oh. And uh, um, I mean, it was funny. They talk, uh, all the er, car, uh, actors from Star Wars would talk about the casting session, and, you know, George said nothing. And it was Brian <laughs> De Palma who was like, uh, even when it came to the Star Wars, you know, auditions, it was that's Brian so De Palma. And George Lucas just sat that's there. That's funny. That's, that's Lucas for you. That's yeah. George for you, stoic to the end. Yeah. Faster, more. He intense. was working on his goiter. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was terrible. Just oh my gosh, that out. there's Laura sniping from the rooftops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
terrible. quick hold up the baby and protect yourself from Laura's <laughs> yeah. rifle. Yeah, Carrie was interesting. Carrie, uh, I, I wa- watch Carrie, re watch Carrie for this podcast. And what really amazes me is just how frank it is. Like it starts off, you just wouldn't get away with this these days. Starts off with a very loving tracking shot through a women's locker room and they're all swatting each other and running around in their underwear. Quite a few are topless. Porkies. The th- yeah. Well, the thing is, I mean, I guess the only way they got away with it was everybody on that cast was in their late 20s, even though they're all playing high school students at their prom, including Sissy Spacek. It was like late 20s. So I guess that's the only way they could do it. You can't, if you had the actual young girls, you'd oh God, no. go no. up the river. Yeah. But, uh, you know, very frank, and the book's this way too, very frank, like we talk about hitting the horror beats and there's always an obvious one, like with Carrie, it's telekinesis. She can light fires and smash stuff with her mind. But really the story's about uh, about the power of women and then a kind of the fear of the menstrual cycle, yeah. right? Well, and it deals with that very, yeah. When they start menstruating. That's right. That's all witches, that's, right. that's telekinesis, yeah. it's the changing, the hormones. But, but was I mean, that it's stuff? It's a classic thing, but, Carrie, but it is disturbing to see. I, oh, yeah. I think that's why yeah. I was like, yeah. I was young when I first saw it and I was like, you know, I think I was just watching gonna... Well, I thought I was watching it with my parents too, and it was horrifying. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, the it was thing like is, a tampon commercial came yeah. on when I was a teenager. You leave the <laughs> yeah, room. Of course. Yeah. yeah. You know? the, the thing is, you know, like I say, you wouldn't get away with it because there's you know, the lot shot through the locker room and then it kind of tracks in on Sissy Spacek and she's showering. And there's very sensuous close ups. Like, I, I say sensuous, but they're not really sensuous, but they're, you know, she's. She's I feel clean, like you reround this scene a couple of times. <laughs> so you know nicely, and it's a very beautiful music, and then just blood starts running down, and it's just an amazing sh- for you. impact. Yeah, but I mean, right? I mean, that's that's the and part unflinching, of, the unflinching. of the movie is you know you know uh, this this main character, this girl's coming into her womanhood and discovering you know aspects of her physicality. At the same time, she's got a nightmare of a mom, yeah, who's this religious freak, <laughs> and Piper Laurie has never been. You know, scarier, more scary yeah. than she is in that. I movie. think she got an Academy Award for that, didn't she? Oh, she should have. I think she might have. Yeah. Although uh, uh, I would love to know what Stephen King thought of the very final shot. Yeah. Whether he thought that was gratuitous uh, or whether the, remind uh, me what was the oh very my final gosh shot? Oh, you, you forget the final shot from Carrie. So uh, it's uh, Amy Irving. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. She yeah, goes yeah, to yeah. the site of the house. Where it's all collapsed, yeah, and then she's gonna put flowers down, and then yeah. hand comes up and grabs her. Yeah, it's I like mean shock. Brian De Palma knew his market, and I'm sure he, you know it's a bit of a, you know, hor- it, it, later on in his life he might have done something a bit different, more subtle. Point, yeah, maybe at that point it was you know going for. the I don't think Brian De Palma was actually known for his subtlety. Ever. Not that he's Ever. not known, but he he would have uh, he would he got better at crafting. Uh, uh, he yeah. went through a whole Hitchcock phase, and um, you know, brilliantly yeah, dressed to kill, and yeah, stuff like that. brilliant homages to uh, to Hitchcock, and I think he might have done it a little bit different later on. But yeah, maybe he hit that um, that horror beat right there. Right. Yeah, for sure. People, I'm sure, jumped. Yeah. Yo, woman. Why didn't you tell me, Mama? <laughs> <laughs> And God made Eve from the rib of Adam. And Eve was weak and loosed the raven on the world. And the raven was called sin. Said, the raven Why was called sin. Why didn't you tell sin. me, Mama? Said, no. The raven was called sin. Oh, Mama, 
And first sin was intercourse. First sin was intercourse. I didn't sin, Mama. Say it. I didn't sin, Mama. First sin was intercourse. First sin was intercourse. First sin was intercourse. And the first sin was intercourse, Mama. I was so scared. I thought I was dying. And the girls, they all laughed at me and threw things at me, And Eve was weak. Say it. No, Mama. Eve was weak. No. Eve was weak. No. Eve was weak. Say it. No, Mama. Say it. Eve was weak. He was weak. Speaking of horrific things, uh, just talking about the movie version of The Running Man. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking horrible. Yeah. Horrible. The Running Man is such a great story uh, in the Bachman books. It's a very um, a very fast-paced, brutal, quick, like it has very short chapters. It counts down, I think, from 100. The first chapter is 100 minus 100 and counting or something like that. And it goes 99, 98, 97. And it counts all the way down to the final scene of the story. It's very quick and brutal and no nonsense, just like a lot of Richard Bachman books were. You know, and it's a great story. Like all these dumb fucking remakes they make these days, one thing they really should do, like they made remake Total Recall, but really what they should remake is The Running Man because it is a really great premise. And it presages, you know, uh, the Hunger Games and Divergent, right? It's, uh, you know, it's uh, in the story, you know, they take this, <clears throat> they take volunteers, they put them through a testing process and when they're accepted, they go on The Running Man, this TV show, and they give them some money and they just push them out into the world. They give them 12 hours to go hide and then hunters start hunting them anywhere, right? Go, uh, you know, in the story, he goes from New York City to you know, all over the Eastern seaboard and they're chasing him. It's a very, it's a thriller, right? In the movie, it's just Arnold Schwarzenegger in a big fucking arena with goofy yeah, wrestler. What year, what year was this? Uh, 87, I think. Well, that's, it was that Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger, like vehicles. I was going to say, you put Arnold Schwarzenegger in any movie and it's going to get stupid real fast. It's like <laughs> the, uh, the, the, uh, the follow-up to Robocop that Paul Verhoeven did with the, uh, the Mars yeah, Total uh, Recall. Total Recall. Um, that wasn't a bad movie. Oh, it was a terrible movie. Oh, come it was on. Good. It was terrible. What I'm not are you talking about? No, because because you, you talk about come Jack on. Nicholson. No, you talk about Jack Nicholson giving away yeah. the craziness of The Shining, yeah. and you start a movie about a construction worker that looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> yeah, but he no. wasn't a construction worker. That was the whole point. But that's it. You were in, I mean, that, that's why it was like completely that's and true. utter ridiculous, whereas the remake with Colin Farrell, at yeah. least he looked like a normal guy. Yeah. That movie had no heart. The first one was campy and had heart. Yeah. It was ridiculous, but you were along for the ride. Completely, completely ridiculous. Yeah. Although it was possibly Sharon Stone's best movie, but right. um, which not isn't saying, saying much. Not saying no. much. No, but it <laughs> exactly. was a, oh, no. But you're right movie. because the character Ben Richards in the book is a scrawny guy. He's in the poor part of town, uh, and he's very scrawny and. Uh, but Wiley, he's a Wiley guy. He's got smarts. He's got street smarts. He knows what's going on. So he's able to hold off the hunters. But, you know, Schwarzenegger is not that. No. He's not scrawny. He's not. Um, He'll pump you up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, and then he's fighting... In, in the book, it's a bunch of hunters, like trained assassins that are following him. But in the in the sh- movie, it's just... Goofy wrestlers, like uh, wrestling type guys, like a 
the one guy's covered in in uh, light bulbs and he's like shooting electricity and then they got the samurai guy who's like a hockey guy who's skating well i think they played up that aspect of it being a you know ridiculous tv show by by especially by casting richard dawson right. i mean you but know. that is definitely the best part is richard dawson oh, yeah. he's, he's right. amazing yeah it's a great idea to take this guy who was known for the host of the family feud and put him in this yeah. movie that's parodying game shows and yeah. ratcheting it up to this crazy level where it's life is or it death that situation. Is it crazy though? Is it? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're one step away from it. Um, Here's hoping. Yeah. I need some good TV. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. What's inside the zone? The runners have three hours. They've got to go through all four game plots. Three hours or less, and they're going to need every second because you know who's on their tail. <laughs> It's time to start running! <laughs> On your marks, get set. Killian, I'll be back. Only in a rerun. Go! You guys know that this year actually it must be 76 because this is the uh the 40th anniversary of carrie being released oh there you go yeah. isn't that insane i hate talking in decades <laughs> and the fact that i can the 40th anniversary yeah that's uh, that is a scary fact speaking of stephen king how old is stephen king 120 you know, i'm not sure <laughs> i'm actually not sure one amazing thing I found while researching this uh, podcast was the the amount of uh, versions of Children of the Corn that they've made. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, did you see that? I've seen Children of, Children the, of the Corn. Corn. With, uh, <gasps> Just with Sarah once. Connor. <laughs> the He Who Walks Among the Rose uh, is the monster. I think if you call your kid Malachi, it's like calling him Damien. You're just saying, <laughs> you're evil, kid. It's actually a pretty popular name now, and Malin has a friend named Malachi at school. Are you kidding really? me? Really? No, yeah. She better keep does, an eye on him. Does he have horns? No. Oh, yeah. I'd check. I'd look under the scalp. because no. You never know when those kids are going to start offing the adults. Yeah. So there's Children of the Corn in 1984 with Linda Hamilton. Yep. Uh, Children of the Corn 2, The Final Sacrifice... In 1993, which was anything but final. Christy Alley, too, no? What's that? Wasn't Christy Alley in one of those? I don't know. That's seven years later. Wouldn't she have, eaten, wouldn't she have eaten all the corn? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would <laughs> <been laughs> <the laughs> Corn wouldn't cause that problem. <laughs> Children of the Corn 3, Urban Harvest. I guess it's in the city. <laughs> they move out of the cornfields. Uh, Children of the Corn 4, The Gathering, 1996. Children of the Corn, Five Fields of Terror. Oh my, they're getting worse and worse. Yeah, 1988, 1998, sorry. Children of the Corn, 666, Isaac's Return. Uh, One of the guys. That's an inside joke, first, I guess. That's yeah. the first movie, Malachi yeah. and Isaac. Isaac was the little guy that yeah. was the crazy um, ringleader of the whole thing. Children of the Corn, Revelation, 2001. Children of the Corn, just called that as a remake, I guess, 2009. Children of the Corn Genesis in 2011 and Children of the Corn Runaway 
in 2016, which is currently in post-production. Oh, my God. Question not my judgment, Malachi. I am the giver of his word. So I had no idea. So we can look forward to a new one. So no, no, uh, no maximum overdrive two on on the horizon. No, um, it was funny uh, uh, looking in uh, when you look up at when you look up Stephen King's uh, filmography and IMDb across two hundred and twenty nine movies spanning forty years. There's only one with him listed as director, and there's a good reason why because it was not good. Just stick to writing. Yeah, books and not, yeah. I was gonna say not movies, books. But we're in a strange time now. At least he doesn't have to self-publish on Amazon. Yeah, yeah, true. You know, I mean, the the quality of everything is the quality of everything's in the toilet. Oh yeah, right. You know. Yeah, Stephen King is. um, He's had addiction issues since he was a young kid. He's a young man, I guess, including alcohol, cocaine, Valium, cough medicine, and dope. And the funny thing is, we were talking about this earlier about his great string of films and it. Uh, sorry, great string of books, and then it finally came to an end. Suddenly, his books weren't so good. The first novel he wrote in sobriety was Needful Things, which was not good. No. You see the Max von Sydow film they made of that? Yes. I think I might have seen it. Ed Harris was the cop Pangborn, I guess. He was the the sheriff. Love Ed Harris. Yeah. I wonder... I think I've seen that, but I can't really remember anything about I'm it. I'm sure I've seen it, but it's not. It's, it's not. It's staying. not registering. No. The novel's the same way. It's not very good. It's a guy that opens a curio shop, Max von Sydow in the film. Oh, right. Opens a curio shop, and he's got everything that the town people are looking for, and that just kind of drives him crazy and makes him fight each other and go apeshit crazy. And we forgot to talk about Misery. Misery. That yeah. was such a great. I mean, I always, I'll never forget when she hobbled him. Mm. Yeah. In the, in the, uh, that was a great term, and I've used oh. it. And I and it has such when I think of hobbling, I know Have exactly said it to what that means. I'm no. gonna hobble you. No, no, please don't. Yeah, when Kathy Bates <laughs> comes in with the blocks and puts them between his feet, yeah. and then you think, why? What? Oh, fuck. Paul, do you know about the early days at the Kimberly Diamond Mines? Do you know what they did to the native workers who stole diamonds? Don't worry, they didn't kill them. That would be like junking your Mercedes just because it had a broken spring. No, if they caught them, they had to make sure they could go on working, but they also had to make sure they could never run away. The operation was called hobbling. Danny, whatever you think I'm not doing, please don't do it. Any for God's sake. Shh, darling. Trust me. God's sake. It's for the best. Hey, please! Ah! Almost done. Just one more. God, I love you. Yeah. In the in the book, she cuts his foot off with an axe. Chops it right off. Yeah. yeah. Is that hobbling? No, hobbling is when they smash the ankles. Right. Yeah. Oh, but, it's specific to the ankles. Yeah. Well, so the, if you smash the knees, that's. I just remember hobbling? that. I just remember that scene, yeah, the, and you can see it, and his foot goes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> horrible. Like, he's got sympathy yeah, pains. No. Oh, that's yeah. horrible. Poor old James Conn. Yeah. It's hobbled. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. Yeah. So good. 
Everybody was. She won an Oscar for that, yeah. and that was a tour de force because it's really most of the movie is just the two of them. Yeah, yeah. She she's probably yeah. the main character. Really, I'm your number one fan. Yeah, so Man. scary. It was really good. James Con, I don't know. I know never really liked James Con. Oh, he was great. Now. I liked him in Elf. <laughs> what? Wow, that was the pinnacle of his career. And Godfather, I guess. I, was gonna I say. guess. <laughs> I guess he was good in that, you know, famous movie that won a bunch. I would of expect awards. that from a, a millennial. Yeah. Right. I have no excuse. I don't have an excuse. No. no. So anyway, I think I'm gonna wrap it up. But uh, I'd like to thank my panel for uh, showing up and talking about Stephen King, sharing in my enjoyment of Stephen King and his most of his films, most some of his books. Um, if uh, anyone wants to get in contact with us, they can reach us through Twitter at NerdStockingPod, and you can shoot us an email, uh, which is nerds at nerdstocking.com. Nighty night, and keep the lights on at night. Honey, come on over here, sugar buns. This machine just called me an asshole. <laughs>